0: Welcome to the First Read Ultimate Spider-Man podcast, where we break down Bendis's iconic run on Ultimate Spider-Man, issues 1 through 160 in Earth 1610. I'm Zach, and I'm Johnny O. Johnny O, how are you doing today?
1: Excellent. How about you? How are um, you doing?
0: I'm actually, I think I'm coming down with like a mild cold, so my my voice might sound oh, a little no. different today.
1: Oh no. Well, but other than that, started... I'm good. Okay, that's good. It hasn't sounded any different so far. And are the cats still getting along?
0: The cats are doing great. You're going to see them, not the listener, but John will see them running around behind me. They're kind of in this room and hyper right now.
1: Nice. Well, I, I mean, I don't want to, I, I know we're not jumping into it right away, but I am excited to talk about these issues. You know, we've got the Green Goblin. And as I've already told Zach, I, I think I have a very interesting, something interesting to talk about at the end of this one. And I'm, and I'm excited to get your opinion on it, Zach. You've said that a few times was, you're
0: hyping it up a lot.
1: I'm... Well, I was in my social studies class and I don't think I have any students who know I do this podcast yet. So, so they won't know that I learned this in their social studies class. But I was sitting in social studies and something happened and I was like, oh, my gosh, I have to take a picture of this so I don't forget it so I can bring it up on the pod.
0: I'm going to take a random stab in the dark. You will never,
1: ever get it.
0: I'm guessing like you were looking at like the Berlin Wall or something and there's like graffiti of a (laughs) Spider-Man face on it.
1: That. That would be tremendous. This is better than that, I think. Okay.
0: Because this is
1: going to lead to a discussion between us.
0: Okay. Well, I can't wait
1: for that. I know. Me neither. And we've got some
0: other things to discuss, too. What are they?
1: Your hate for Lamar Jackson?
0: (laughs) I don't hate Lamar Jackson. Listeners, I have nothing against former NFL MVP Lamar Jackson. He seems like a great guy. He's great on the field. I just think it's smarter to take a rookie.
1: Yeah, that's fair. That's a fair point. And they all look good. And I know you've been at the combine for like the entire time it's been going on. So you really have seen the rookies.
0: Yeah, that was going to be my something interesting. I wasn't there. Oh, well, let's save it. We'll save it. Okay. All right. (laughs) All right. That's a tease. Yeah. This was that's all what that's time. called,
1: listeners. That's a tease in the biz. We call that teasing something.
0: Listen up, hot shot podcasting 101. <laughs> you got to dangle the carrot in front of them before you give it to them.
1: Well, let's see. Do we have anything else before we should get into it? Oh, my sixth graders lost in the final four of their volleyball tournament yesterday, oh, no. two, two, two days ago. We would be in the championship tonight. So. So this podcast would have got rescheduled if we could have made it, but it was very (laughs) disappointing, but a great season. Well,
0: if any Disney direct-to-video sports movies from the 90s have taught me anything, it's that while we're recording, you're going to get a call that somehow the other team that beat you is disqualified (laughs) and you guys need to
1: rush there right now and you're going to win the championship. It turns out. And I thought this was legal, but they had a dog playing volleyball. <laughs> Can you believe that? Everyone I said, I can't believe it's an not junction.
0: Everyone said, I can't believe that's the, that, you know, the rules don't specifically say you can't. And then come to find out the rules specifically say you can't.
1: <laughs> yeah. It says right there. No dogs. Yeah. Um. Oh, gosh. Speaking of Disney, speaking of sports movies. Um, how well do you know the movie Friday Night Lights?
0: Not that well.
1: Well, their best player gets hurt in the beginning of the movie, Booby Miles. And he uh, doesn't play the whole year. And then in the championship game, the coach gives a really inspiring speech about like, you know, think about Booby Miles and how much he'd want to be out there with you. And Zach, we dropped game one of this final four matchup pretty badly. And one of our best players was out sick. And if I didn't give a striking rendition of that <laughs> Friday Night Lights speech to lead us to a game to win. And and had we won, we'd be heavy underdogs in the championship. Because there's this one team that all year we've been hearing about how good they are. And they they beat us up pretty good twice already this year. And I had the miracle speech locked and loaded for tonight if, if we had got there. <laughs> I don't think these kids have seen these sports movies yet, so <laughs> so I, I'm just throwing the speeches out there. You've got so many wells to draw from. I,
0: I know. <laughs> I'm guessing you had, like, some great motivational movie speech for every game.
1: I I didn't, but maybe next year. I was saving them for the playoffs.
0: That is hilarious. These these kids are gonna grow up and think like, man, <laughs> he's he's like the most motivational guy I know. He should run for office or something.
1: That's 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 what, that's what I'm sure they have to be thinking. And if I had done the miracle one, they definitely would would be. They'd be like, Man, Mr. Opat is so good at these speeches to get us hyped. And it's like It's almost like a Hollywood that.
0: writer put the words yeah. in his mouth.
1: <laughs> so that was fun.
0: That is hilarious.
1: Um, well, should should we should we get into it? Should we throw it over to our friends at the Better Business Bureau?
0: I reckon we should. Every
1: business says they're better. But the ones that earn and display the BBB seal, back it up. It instantly identifies businesses that are committed to operating with integrity, honoring promises, and telling the truth. Makes you wonder why every business doesn't have it. So look for it, because it's looking
0: out for you. That's why it's the sign of a better business. And find a better business
1: anytime at BBB.org. And we're back. So let's recap. Okay, so because we haven't been on the ultimate Spider-Man run in a couple weeks now, um, last we saw Peter is just constantly being beaten down. He's always making sarcastic comments to himself, you know, a big time superhero I am. And every time he does something well, the news covers him like he's a villain. And the last villain we saw him go against was Doc Ock. So Doc Ock made his way to Hammer Industries. Well, that's technically not true. Well, I was going to get to Kraven. Okay, (laughs) you about to jump in? Okay. Yeah, Yeah, it was Doc Ock and Kraven. So Doc Ock goes to Hammer Industries. He's going to expose Justin Hammer in these experiments he's doing. And Spider-Man shows up to fight Doc Doc Ock. And then Kraven the Hunter shows up to fight Spider-Man. And... Spider-Man defeats them all. Unfortunately, Doc Ock kills Justin Hammer. And well, ha- we think a heart attack did, right?
0: It was a little ambitious. Yes. Like, yes. A heart attack from Doc Ock throwing his
1: limo. <laughs> I think we can safely blame Doc Ock for that. <laughs> uh, but you're right. It was a heart attack that that caused him to die, I guess. So the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents show up and they arrest Doc Ock and as they're walking away from the cell, uh, Doc Ock realizes that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. So Peter gets home and he's finally being praised on the news because the the news caught this big fight he had with Kraven and Doc Ock and he's getting the publicity he deserves. And uh, but unfortunately, he's been lying to Aunt May and he gets home and Aunt May is just totally sick of it and she grounds him. And Peter's like finally a big time superhero, but he's grounded Um, and he doesn't get to do his daily bugle job and he doesn't get to hang out with MJ. So did I miss anything? There there was a lot to recap.
0: Yeah, I think that's the most thorough
1: recap we've done so far. Uh, Hats off to you, John. Good job. Oh, thank you. And now I've got to pick a fight with our sponsor, the Better Business Bureau. (laughs) Which is not generally a good idea to do, but go (laughs) off. Well, it's a well, it's a well, it's a joking fight. You know, Zach can see behind me. I'm demanding more money here. I've got to sign up. And that's because we've got a double issue this time. So we've got a double issue and then our two other normal issues. So technically we're given four issues today. Pretty good. (laughs) And you're carrying the brunt of that. Um, and that's why I'm demanding more money. <laughs> yes. But I'm not actually. Um, so issue 22, written b- by Brian Michael Bendis, penciled by Mark Bagley, inked by Art to Bear, colored by Transparency Digital, and lettered by Chris Iliopoulos.
0: Hold up real quick before we start. I just want to point out. So you know how I've said that not many of my comics from when I was a kid survived? Do you have this one? I'm reading this physically. Oh my gosh. It's the like trade paperback that has every all the issues from this episode and next episode. Just this whole arc.
1: Oh, really? So it's like the graphic novel form where it's just all of them at one like Oh, that is incredible. Six issues. well, let, seven issues. This is a double issue. Uh, yeah. Numbered as six issues, <laughs> yeah, technically number. seven. Um. Well, let me pull so if you mine say, up on my phone.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, so if you say, oh, this
1: is on page 12, I don't have the page numbers. Okay. I'll have to keep that in mind. So, and I hate, well, that's really cool. I always appreciate that. So now you've had the Punisher ones or the Daredevil ones and these no. and I had the Super Bowl one?
0: No, so I it's not the Punisher one that I had. It was um one of the Iron Man team ups. And oh I, uh, yeah. I, I didn't mention it on the pod, but I also had the X-Men team up.
1: Oh, well you gotta mention that every time you have one, I think. I think that might be worth keeping a tally of.
0: Well, I'm kind of running out of I don't know that I have any more of those <laughs> things to say because <laughs> like i said i did not not many overall comics survived from my childhood yeah. and this was just one
1: series so i think this might be it yeah okay well still good and i hate to do another recap but to start off this issue we actually get a recap of what happened with the green goblin earlier so norman osborne experimented With a wonder drug called Oz on a spider. And that spider bit Peter Parker and created Spider-Man. He then tried to use the formula on himself. Norman Osborn, that is. And it turned him into a huge goblin creature. He was driven mad by the drug and killed his wife. And attempted to kill his son, Harry. And Harry was sent to Colorado. uh, And no one really knows where Norman or the Green Goblin is. Last we saw, he was being shot at, and he fell into the East River. So, Zach, from there, do you have anything to add on the recap? Or are we ready to get into it? Yeah, I think we're ready to get into it. Okay. So we open on a city street, lots of hustling and bustling and people walking around, and then out of nowhere, a group of street youths on rollerblades skate in all tough and just start mugging people. And the leader says five different times, twice as sweet as money earned. <laughs> is that like a catchphrase? It must be his. I, he's,
0: <laughs> he's trying to make it stick, but no one even knows who he is, so it, it doesn't it, matter.
1: It seems like it's so incredibly like goofy of a thing to just be saying like over and over again as you're rollerblading around and mugging people. He says it to like everyone.
0: And they've got like tasers in their hands yeah like motorcycle
1: helmets <laughs> it reminded me of i don't know if you've ever read this comic but the dark knight returns comic from it was like frank miller um have you read it i'm nodding my head because was kind of
0: shaking his head yeah i'm aware of it it's one of the most famous comics out there but i've told you my you know i i i'm so bad at dc stuff
1: Uh, Even, like, the big
0: DC books I have not read.
1: There's just, like, a group of Joker villains that kind of, like... It's, like, years after the Joker has, like, stopped being the Joker. But there's, like, his group of, like, you know, followers, kind of. And they are just like this because they're just, like, they look goofy as can be. Like, they're trying to be cool and they speak in this way that's, like what's up you jive turkey you know just like random they like speak like that type of like 70s or 80s lingo (laughs) and anyway this feels like
0: this feels like it's trying to be 2000s lingo which makes sense for the time but it definitely stands out as weird now because it's also like 2000s fashion
1: yeah um, So they are skating around mugging everyone and one of the people they mug says, I hope you get cancer. <laughs> and the leader of the roller derby gang turns around to make a comment and that's his downfall because as he turns around, he skates into a giant wall of webbing and Spider-Man swings in and starts taking out all of the dorks on the blades, And we learn that poor Peter Parker was in line at Taco Bell and he... He just wanted like a cheesy gordita crunch or something. And he had to leave to deal with this. And he chides the gang for their lack of matching outfits, telling them it's not that hard to get matching outfits for a gang. And as he's, as he's beating them up, he's making these comments that he's like, you know, don't you guys know who I am? I fight villains with metal arms. You, I'm, he says, I'm a list baby. You guys can't even put together a coherent fashion statement. Um, so Spider-Man beats him up easily and swings away. And, and hopefully he heads back to Taco Bell. Um, but we see that he doesn't. I know. Unfortunately, he was not going back to Taco Bell. He's unless he made a pick stop. But he swings back to school and he lands on the roof and he's getting changed back into his normal clothes. And while he's getting changed, we kind of get cuts that he's supposed to be in science class right now. His teacher's teaching about something or other. Do you have a note of what they were teaching about? I must have just been totally out of my depth in it, so I didn't even comment. It's like chemistry. Okay. So... Peter changes real fast and rushes into class late and we kind of find out that he's been doing this during his lunch break because he doesn't get to sneak out anymore because he's grounded for Aunt May. So he's been sneaking out during his lunch to do some spider maning and now I did bring up the chemistry that they're doing because as Peter walks in, the professor or teacher is talking about some elements and he asks Peter a question and Peter knows the answer and the answer is avogadro's number and then which zach have you ever heard of that absolutely not neither have i and i didn't look it up then the teacher asks him what the elements are in that number and peter says and this is why i wrote it down because it was so strange to me peter says 5.1 carbon and four hydrogen and then he gets a really stern look from mj and the teacher and he quickly corrects himself to say one carbon and four hydrogen. And that just seems like a strange error to make. What would make him say 5.1 instead of just one? <laughs> Did this jump out to you at all? Or, or am I being strange by, by thinking that that's a weird... Like, why wouldn't he say two carbon, four hydrogen, and then correct it to one and four? That seems very strange to think it's originally five point one, and it's just one.
0: Yeah, it uh, <laughs> it seemed weird to me, but I never but took not
1: enough to, but not enough to comment.
0: I never took chemistry. I tried to avoid like, the I. hard science classes, so yeah. I didn't even know
1: like. No, I had no idea how, how realistic that about. error is. Yeah, me neither. Didn't look it up. So. MJ and Peter are talking after class. And as a result of the Spider-Man versus Craven show Craven or C- Craven fight, Craven's show actually got canceled. And MJ is getting pretty familiar with Peter talking about how exciting it was watching him on TV. And then the
0: conversation like, like she's getting like she's fine with talking about Spider-Man stuff in public. Is that what you're saying?
1: um let me look at the picture because i actually meant she's getting when i say she's getting pretty familiar with it i meant um okay may maybe that is i guess i more meant when she was she was like oh my gosh i was sitting you know i was so exciting sitting there watching you and she was kind of leaning close to him and i think later on doesn't she like talk about making out like, which I was going to get to in a bit. So that's what I meant when I was saying getting pretty familiar, you know, they they seem to be getting pretty cozy. Yeah. Um, so the convo turns to aunt may who Peter says is majorly ticked off because she caught him sneaking in at 3am and he tells MJ that he's basically grounded forever and him and MJ can't hang out and he's may lose the bugle job. And that he's gonna have to hang up the webs for a bit because he's, you know, he's running late to class when he goes out at lunch, so he just isn't able to find time to Spider Man anymore. And MJ wants to sneak over and see Peter anyway, but Peter tells her pretty sternly, "No," because he wants to respect Aunt May. And I have to say, I I I respect Peter for making that decision because I know we talked last time about the Aunt May stuff. And I think she had a pretty good right to be upset with him.
0: Yeah, I was surprised that he told his, you know, girlfriend. No, I want to respect my aunt. You can't sneak over that. I mean, he's still <laughs> yeah, sneaking out to high do school. No, but I mean, he's still sneaking out to do Spider-Man stuff, but at least he has a line somewhere that he draws. Well,
1: he's but he's not sneaking out to do. He's sneaking out at lunch to do it, but I don't think he's sneaking out at at night to do it or well, he does later on, but we can assume maybe he hasn't so far. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll operate under Uh, that assumption. Yeah. (laughs) And Peter and MJ are about to go start macking under the bleachers. And then who shows up, but Harry Osborne, he's back at school and he's got a pretty big smile on his face. He seems like he's doing pretty well. Um, Can I point out what he's wearing? I'd love it. Did you ever watch Yu Gi Oh?
0: (laughs) Yes, I did. You know Kaiba's coat, the purple one with like a belt around the neck for some reason? That's funny. Yeah. He's wearing that. (laughs) That wasn't a style as far as I can remember in the 2000s. But this comic and Yu Gi Oh
1: would sure lead you to believe it was. He almost looks like he's dressed like a villain of some kind. Would you say at all? Like the long purple trench coat kind of thing? I don't know.
0: Well, I've told you before about like color coding in superhero comics, especially early on, like that primary colors were reserved for the heroes, like your reds and blues, and then secondary colors like purples and greens was what they would give the villains. Okay, that makes sense. The only thing about that that doesn't work for this scene, though, is that Peter's wearing a green jacket. I know, that's yeah.
1: So would it be uh, a total spoiler that you'd want to even give up if I said, does Harry turn into a villain in this run at all? Because for for people that don't know Spider-Man at all, historically, Harry Osborn turns into the Hobgoblin. Or a goblin of some <laughs> type. Um, but I don't know if that And ha- Zach, you don't have to share. You can say yes or no.
0: I don't want to give you anything because part of the fun of this podcast is this is your first time. Okay. With it. I'm okay. not going to tell you the fate of any character. Okay.
1: That, I like it. I shouldn't ask, but I have to.
0: <laughs> I mean, I like that these thoughts are in your head. I just am not going to be
1: the one to yeah. confirm or deny them yet. So Harry, Peter and MJ are all kind of catching up and then Kong and flash come over as well because they were friends with Harry before all this happens. And Harry is kind of telling off flash for not writing to him at all while he was away. Cause Peter and MJ apparently wrote to him all the time. Uh, And then there's like a full page of them making fun of flash and calling him gay. And and I thought we could just brush by it.
0: (laughs) We've got a lot to cover today. That doesn't need to take
1: too much time. So Harry says he's back at school and he wants Peter to come over and meet his father for dinner. Um, And Harry explains that he, he must've gotten his wires crossed when, you know, last time we saw Harry, he was like that, that goblin thing was my dad. It killed my mom. And he tried to kill me. And now Harry's like, I must have gotten my wires crossed. Um, You know, I was I was kind of going crazy. My mom died and then this monster came. And of course, that couldn't be my father. Um, But Peter is like, I can't come over. I'm grounded. And Harry's like, Okay, another time. So Peter immediately jumps and swings away. And we get a couple pages of him kind of running home. And he's talk, He's thinking to himself real
0: quick. She didn't really contribute much to it, but I think it's noteworthy later that uh, Gwen Stacy kind of walked up and was part of that whole conversation with all the kids. Yeah, Yeah, because that's Harry's first time meeting Gwen. And there's like some passing comment of like her reputation had got back to him. Like he's like, oh, the
1: principal said to stay away from you or something like that. Yeah, yes. Very good. Uh, comment that I totally forgot about and I because Harry and Gwen do you know have a line together later on that Harry says so let's see where am I in my paragraph looking and so Peter is thinking to himself as he's kind of running home and he's like well I know that that is was Harry's dad that goblin um and then he kind of He's like, well, maybe it wasn't. But even if it wasn't, Norman Osborn is still a piece of garbage, even if he's not the goblin.
0: So he's on our Mount Rushmore of pieces of work. Was he? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Along with um, Gillette. And yeah. who else was a real piece of work? Hammer, right? Yeah. <laughs> OK. Yeah, we can add Norman Osborn to that. I think he already was. I think we were missing a fourth. Oh, okay. I, well, Doc Ock has not killed anyone technically. So, well, he has what? actually, he's definitely, but he didn't technically kill hammer. So maybe <laughs> we can leave him off. Just a bunch of nameless people. Just a, yeah. <laughs> um, so Peter is, is kind of like thinking to himself about this goblin situation. And he's like, I don't want to deal with this. I just want to go to school and Spider-Man about and, you know, go to a good college and marry Mary Jane. It's kind of funny to say. Um, and he doesn't want to deal with this. So then he gets home and he realizes Norman Osborne's limo is at his house and Norman sent a limo and he's got like his assistant there. And Aunt May is like, Oh my gosh, go get dinner. It doesn't matter that you're grounded you know harry's in town and they sent a limo and peter is trying to get out of this he's like i really shouldn't i'm grounded you know and aunt may is like no i insist you go so peter obviously gets in the limo and as they're driving down the road zach are you about yep did you notice something about
0: that scene where they're in the living room with the assistant lady talking about it um there's a panel. That, are,
1: she says, bring your knapsack. Is that what you're referring to?
0: She does say that, but there's a panel where I think whoever drew the uh, word bubbles put them in the wrong place because um, the secretary asks, what time will he be home? And then Aunt May and Aunt asks, May says what, what time, time would be, be appropriate? Appro- yeah, ma'am. And then... The secretary says, oh, I don't know, eight, nine. That exchange makes way more sense if the characters saying the words was flip-flopped.
1: That exchange only makes sense if their characters are flip-flopped, I feel like. Yeah. Oh, well, that's interesting. All right, deduct a point. And then the assistant also says, bring your knapsack. And Aunt May's like, oh, that's nice. You guys can do homework together. But we know... What Zach? What do you think she's saying?
0: I think the implication is there's a Spider-Man suit in there. Yeah,
1: definitely. Okay, so as they're driving down the street in this limo on the way to the Osborns, Peter sees a goblin creature watching them from above, just driving past, and he's like, "Oh my gosh!" So Harry greets Peter, and they have, and then he does a double take, and it's not there. Oh, does he? Yeah, I don't. I
0: think he's like seeing. Yeah, you're right.
1: Yep. You're right. Oh, you think, ah, I didn't catch that at all. I thought that the goblin creature was watching them, but I could see that happening. Okay. It's a little ambiguous. So Harry greets Peter at the door and they have a quick convo about how Harry just spoke with MJ and boy, is she in love with Peter. And, they're like trying to have the rest of their conversation. And Peter's just like, but wait, she actually said that, like those words. And Harry's like, yeah, it's fine. And ha- Harry's like trying to move on with the conversation. Um, And P- Harry says they need to double with that Gwen Stacy girl that he just met. Um, So Harry takes Peter back to see his father so they can talk. And I think that's so strange that he's like invite. I'm trying to imagine me inviting my friend over. And then being like, okay, my father is right through this way. He wants to talk to you, I guess. I'm not coming with, you know, Harry says he has to go back and finish his therapy session that he walked out of to greet Peter. Yeah, that's so weird. (laughs) So Peter walks into Norman Osborn's humongous office and there's a TV playing a clip as he walks in of the news of Spider-Man taking down Doc Ock. And Norman Osborn emerges and he's like, I've watched this 40 times or five times or something. I don't remember the exact amount. Um, And so
0: many times he burned a hole in his TiVo. So is that what he says? I've watched this clip so many times this weekend. I thought I was going to burn a hole
1: in my TiVo. That's yes. Yeah, so. Peter walks in. He immediately must know, like, this guy knows who I am. He's showing, he's got a Spider Man clip already playing. Um, and Norman emerges and he's like, So, do I look better or worse than the last time we met? And Norman tells Peter that he's done being Spider Man. You know, he can't have this drug experiment of him running around in this childish costume doing these, you know, crazy childish things. Norman's like, we have bigger things to discuss. Um, And then he says, so that's what Norman says. He says, we have bigger things to discuss, like how I'm alive. And then as he says this, he jabs a syringe into his neck. And as he's doing the syringe in his neck, he says that he's evolved. And Norman transforms into the Green Goblin right in front of Peter's eyes. And with that, our double issue ends, which we move through pretty quick. It was it did not feel like 44 pages, I will say. That's why I
0: didn't realize it when I when I kind of assigned our readings, because I skimmed through all of the issues beforehand just to know, like, you know, oh, this is a good little like these three issues work together as one complete story for an episode. I skimmed this one and had no idea I had just read two issues length.
1: Yeah, I I completely agree. So what did you think of this one?
0: I like besides it.
1: that the pacing we obviously both thought was pretty good.
0: Yeah. I think it's noteworthy the last time we saw him in goblin mode, like his head and hands were green, but his chest was still like, you know, skin colored. He's completely oh, right now,
1: right? That's yeah. right. And it was like weird looking, I thought, yeah, it, it's it, definitely better that when he, that he's fully green.
0: Yeah, it bothered me in that, you know, those first issues. This is how he's going to look now, like for the rest of time.
1: Yeah. I wonder if they planned on like making him more green the whole time or if it just came out at first. And people were like, oh, he does not look very good. Like, we just need to make him all green. Because he's my, the green goblin.
0: My guess, it was a choice from the original color. Maybe this, is a, this issue is colored by someone different. And the first guy was like, oh, but what if it was just like seeping into his head and his hands for some reason? Yeah,
1: I like it. But I remember the first time we saw him, I was like, I think that this might be the Green Goblin, but it doesn't look like any Green Goblin I've ever seen. So,
0: (laughs) right. Yeah. Ultimate Green Goblin is definitely one of one.
1: Well, since we are kind of on the art, I am glad we're back to uh, like this ultimate Spider-Man run where, you know, I I think this. I like the way this is drawn a lot and it's just consistent from issue to issue, which is also kind of nice.
0: Yeah. It's, I mean, it's all Mark Bagley for years and years and years. And Mr. Bagley, if you're listening, if John likes you, that's high praise because he, (laughs) he only likes things that look good.
1: Yes. Well said. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, So do we have a, I, I actually just thought of a rating if you don't have one.
0: I did, too. I was going to say okay. holes burned in your TiVo.
1: Ooh, that's a really good one. OK, I was going to say <laughs> and I don't even know how we would do this, but I know earlier I said the leader says five times twice as sweet as money earned. So out of five <laughs> or how many how times? My, how how many, Yeah. How many times sweeter than money earned? Out of five is this issue. (laughs) Well, I don't understand
0: the out of five. I'm going to I was going to say like eight times sweeter than money earned. So would
1: that be like an eight out of ten? Sure. Okay. or we can do Holzberg and the TiVo. Either way, I'm going to give it a nine out of ten, a nine out of ten. So this this issue was nine times sweeter than money earned. (laughs) Yep. I I also Liked it. Nine out of 10 is very high praise. I think I'm going to give it an eight out of eight and a half out of 10.
0: Okay. All right. So we, do we have anything else to add with 22 or are we ready to get into 23?
1: So I'm ready to get into it. Like you said, these three issues all flow together pretty well. So, you know, they were easy reads.
0: Yeah. So issue 23 was written by Brian, Michael Bendis. Pencils by Mark Bagley, inked by Art to Bear, colored by Transparency Digital, and lettered by Dave Sharp. We open on Peter in his full Spider-Man costume, swinging through Manhattan at night. And he lands on a roof, rips his mask off, vomits over the edge, and says to himself, Oh God, what am I going to do? We then get a flashback to 12 minutes ago. Norman Osborne is in full goblin mode, standing over Peter, and Peter is staring in fear while Norman smiles menacingly at him. Norman says, okay, just so we know who's in charge. And from the other side of the closed door, Harry yells, dad, it's here. And Norman says, be right there, Harry. And he looks back at Peter and says, aw, poor Harry. Everyone around him has a little secret identity and he has no clue about any of it.
1: Harry Harry does come across I think in this run as like a clueless rich kid, you know, who just like goes about his life um at, without a care in the world kind of. <laughs> And we and and I'm sure you're about to say, and maybe I should just let you get to it. But we learned that that's because he's like being hypnotized to, yeah. to think that. <laughs> yeah,
0: his head is unbothered. Yeah. <laughs> so Norman tells Peter Harry is a lot like his late mother living with his head in the sand. He says the difference is that Harry's mom used 12 year old scotch to dilute herself into a haze. While Harry only needs the best hypnosis money can buy and he says uh the hypnosis on harry is the best money he ever spent and now he finally has a son he wouldn't mind taking out in public mean yeah
1: piece of garbage of mount rushmore
0: yeah so that um that therapist harry had been talking to that was that's his hypnotist and Norman injects himself with another serum and says, "And I
1: and I think they mentioned it's someone named Doctor Warren." Yeah, Norman. Norman mentions. Which does that mean anything to you? Is that a villain? Are you spoiling something? To
0: he doesn't. I don't think he comes back on okay. this run. Okay. Um. Norman injects himself with another serum and says, "Ugh, this is the worst part." And he then painfully changes back into his human form naked. And he tells Peter everything that he said about Harry will be their little secret. Their bond as men. The first of many. <laughs> Such a weird way to talk to a high schooler. As a it, grown it, man.
1: It is. Um, but I thought one. uh One thing that really like stepped out of this to me is Norman really has the serum under control. It seems, you know, he injected himself with it. He turned into the goblin. He injected himself again and he turned back. So he's not like a crazed monster at this point. You know, he's very in control of what he's doing.
0: I'm going to push back on that because how many experiments do you think he did on himself to get it that perfect and what do you think those effects were on him
1: yeah we we do hear and even in the like recap that it gave us in the last episode it says the experience the experiments have driven him crazy but i guess when i say he's like in control of it that's what i mean he's in control he might not be thinking straight but He's in control of his actions. You know, he doesn't like Hulk out and destroy stuff.
0: Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so he stands and puts on a robe and he says from this day forward, Peter belongs to him. He will work for Norman and be rewarded for his work and have a good life. But if he refuses, Norman will torture and murder May and Mary Jane. And he continues, Then I might delight myself in beating you to the edge of death. Not to death, just to the edge of death. I will let you try and heal. I will watch you struggle through broken bones and severed nerves and tissues. And most probably you will heal. And then just as you begin to feel yourself becoming human again, I will beat you to death. Do we understand each other? Good. Let's go.
1: (laughs) Pretty, pretty tough villain speech.
0: Yeah, it goes hard. Did it not kind of of remind you of the To the Pain monologue from um, Princess Bride? I don't know that. The guy's like paralyzed on a bed and the, the bad guy like comes into the room and he's like, let's duel to the death. And he's like, no, not to the death, to the pain. And he's like, I'm going to disfigure you so badly that you're going to be in pain for the rest of your life. And people are going to, you know, be scared of you when you walk through the streets. And he like bluffs his way to the bad guy dropping his sword. And he legitimately couldn't have fought him if he wanted to. (laughs) This place like that.
1: I, I definitely, this sounds familiar, not because something else came before it because this was like back in the early two thousands. But I think that I haven't heard another speech that's talks about like beating you to where you're basically dead. And then once you heal, I'm going to, you know, beat you again to, yeah. in, to that point. Maybe it was like a Bane Batman thing or something. I don't know.
0: I'm going to deny you the satisfaction of letting your pain end.
1: It's like yeah, the I, gist yeah. of it. Yeah.
0: So the scene changes and we're in the Osborne's living room with Harry. He's smiling like the beautiful idiot he is and holding a VHS <laughs> tape saying, feast your eyes, baby. It's the Dateline piece. They sent an, adva- an advance copy. It's airing Friday night, but you get to see it first.
1: Is it like Um, it would be nice to be as like happy and, and like, I don't know, airheaded as what Harry seems <laughs>
0: I don't think they had the the term back then but would he be like a himbo?
1: Yes, that is exactly that's a that's a perfect description of Harry.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, um Harry asks Norman, "What's with the robe?" cuz keep in mind his best friend just went into his dad's office and they <laughs> talked and his dad comes out wearing a bathrobe. And Uh, Norman tells him he was in the sauna and Harry's like, Oh yeah, that does make sense that he, he sure loves that sauna. (laughs) And he turns on the TV and a reporter explains Norman Osborne's backstory that his bioengineering company burst onto the scene in the nineties and made him very wealthy. And uh, he sent wall street into a frenzy when he announced a mysterious new product called Oz then last November, there was an accident that destroyed an Oscorp facility and killed dozens of employees and almost killed Norman himself, and he disappeared for a while after the accident, prompting rumors that he has died in it too. And the reporter says, the rumors went flying, but no answer came. Until tonight. Tonight, for the first time anywhere, Norman Osborne, alive and well, speaks. He's come out of hiding, out of self-made retirement, to speak about that fateful night that destroyed his life and about how he plans to rebuild his life and his company again from the ground up. And the interview continues, and Norman says he believes the accident was sabotage from his competitor, Justin Hammer, and he believes Hammer had his wife killed. He says he and Harry went into hiding from Hammer And with Hammer now dead, they felt it was finally safe to come out of hiding. And Peter is sweating through all this and just says, gotta go, and runs out of the room. And Harry asks, what's wrong, Peter? Norman puts his hand on Harry's shoulder and says, let him go, Harry. You'll see him tomorrow. Then we fast forward to the present. Peter is walking into the front door of his house. Because and- that
1: all happened. We started 12 minutes ago, so that all happened in the 12 minutes that we kind of saw in reverse, which I liked how they opened that. You know, yeah, you it always was like a good starting somewhere and then 10 minutes earlier or something.
0: Yeah, it was a little different. You know, I'm glad they don't do that yeah. like all the time. But for this yeah. issue, it, it worked. Yeah. So Peter's walking into the front door of his house. Aunt May is waiting up for him and asks, How was your limo ride, Mr. Rockstar? And he says, It stank. May apologizes and says, I shouldn't have made you go if you didn't want to. And Peter says, I'm sorry about Saturday night. I didn't mean to lie to you. May says, It's okay. It's your first girlfriend. We'll chalk it up to experience. And Peter starts crying and pulls Aunt May in for a hug. And she looks surprised at first, then starts comforting him. And she asks him, are you okay, sweetie? Peter tells her it was just a long day. Later, Peter is sitting Ugh, at-
1: I Aunt- love this. I'm sorry, I have to interject. I love the nice scenes between Peter and Aunt May. They're maybe my favorite
0: It's cute, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it definitely is. Later,
0: Peter is sitting at his desk in his basement, and he's still crying softly to himself and again asks, what am I going to do? The phone rings, and Peter lets it go to voicemail, and the message starts out, Peter, it's Mary. Pick up if you can. And he answers the phone quickly, and MJ asks him if he's still grounded, and he says, I don't know. I don't think so. He asks if it's too late for her to come over, and she says it's almost 11. And he says, man, I really need to talk to you. This, some really horrible things. But he's interrupted by a knock on his cellar door. And he tells Mary Jane about it and says he thinks it's Harry. And MJ's like, at 11 o'clock at night? um, Peter goes and opens the door and sees Gwen Stacy standing there. And Gwen asks him, Wanna buy some Girl Scout cookies? No? Then is it okay if I kill myself on your front lawn? Did that line make any sense to you?
1: Um no. <laughs> no. But but then later on he's I is she being serious? Like it sounds like maybe she is partially being serious and like she did come over to talk to someone because she was like potentially going to hurt herself.
0: Yeah, I think this is just how she talks. She turns everything yeah. into a joke even if it's serious, but yeah. it, it just felt
1: very weird, you yeah. know. And and Peter also literally all he says Is he opens, he opens the door and he said, and his, the phone is there. So whoever's on the other end of the phone can hear. And all he says is Gwen. And then the next thing he says to Mary Jane is I've got to call you back or something like that. And man, he's just so bad at this.
0: He's (laughs) so bad with women. Uh, We've said this before, but he's clueless on that front, like worse I mean, than Harry, could, in just in general.
1: Obviously, we know that Gwen came over because she's like gonna hurt herself or something. But all Mary Jane on the other end of the phone knows is that Gwen Stacy showed up at eleven o'clock at night, and then her at, boyfriend her hung Boyfriend's up, house, and, and then her boyfriend hung up on her on the phone.
0: Yeah, Ugh. it's not great. <laughs> um, Peter asks her what she's doing there, and she tells him she, she had nowhere else to go. And then this is what you were alluding to. He tells MJ he'll call her back. And MJ says, no, Peter, don't. But the phone's already clicked. And Peter runs into Aunt May's room, room and says, I got a problem. There's a girl in my basement. And May thinks he's talking about Mary Jane and starts scolding him. But he stops her and says, no, it's this girl from school, Gwen Stacy. She's kind of, you know. And then he starts drawing a circle next to his head with his index finger, like saying she's crazy. And she just came over like out of nowhere. And he explains that her mom ran off to Chicago with some guy and her father is at work and uh, he thinks she's going, she, he thinks she's thinking of hurting herself or something. And Aunt May tells Peter to put on some pants because he's been in his underwear throughout all of this. And she rushes down the stairs. And then we see May cooking scrambled eggs for Peter and Gwen. And Captain Stacy arrives at the door and introduces himself to May. And thanks her for looking out for his daughter. And Gwen frowns when she sees her father come in. And May offers him eggs. And the scene changes. And the next day at school, Peter is standing at his locker. Talking to Mary Jane. Telling her about what happened with Gwen. MJ asks why he thinks she came to him. And Peter says he doesn't know. She then says, you never called me back. He starts to explain to her what he was going to tell her about Harry's father, but before he can get the words out, Gwen tackles him with a hug from behind while yelling, hey, it's my own personal superhero.
1: Does she know that she's being awful to Mary Jane? Like, do you think, like, is she purposefully being like this or does she not know that she's obviously going to make Mary Jane insanely jealous with all this stuff. I don't see how she could possibly not know. <laughs> so is she trying to like go after Peter? Do you think
0: I, it's hard to tell. I think it might just be her personality. Yeah. You know, i I mean, she likes stirring the pot in general.
1: Yeah. That's what it seems like to me. I think it is just like her personality. And she doesn't know that she's being totally out of line. It's just like who she is, you know? Or,
0: or she she's always out of line. That's just what she does. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> um, Gwen starts talking about the previous night and about her father, then looks at MJ and says, Hold on to this one. He's solid gold.
1: So lines like that, like she like
0: oh my god your boyfriend just is so
1: friends. great yeah that's not how i read it i more read it like she this is how i interpreted this scene is she is just like she sees peter as a really good friend and <laughs> she likes his relationship with Mary Jane but but i could read it more like yours you know and be like your boyfriend is so great he's my own personal superhero
0: yeah that's the great thing about like comics <laughs> as a medium is you know it's not like a movie where it was delivered one way like yeah this panel you can read it as her being sincere and like Hey, Mary Jane, like he's a good dude or like, you know, oh, he was there for me last night. Yeah. <laughs> um, Peter gets called on the intercom to room 222. So the the conversation kind of gets interrupted with both girls. And when he gets there, he's greeted by the counselor lady from a few issues back. She starts talking to him about um, the Osborns being back in town and says, You went over to their penthouse last night. Did Norman Osborn reveal his new abilities to you? Did he threaten you? Did he tell you that he's aware you're a Spider-Man? And Peter, understandably, starts freaking out and says, There's someone else in this room, isn't there? Who are you people? What's going on? And the lady says, do you want to take it from here, sir? And the window of the room starts to twist and blur. And Peter says, get out of town
1: as the issue ends. So this has to be, I think, the hypnotist that Norman Osborn was talking about with Harry. Is that not where your mind would naturally go you think reading this for the first time that earlier in the episode we heard about this hypnotist that is so good and then at the end of the issue we get this very kind of unsettling scene with the counselor who comes in and knows everything and and you know just immediately catches peter off guard by being like Not only do they know about Norman Osborn, but they know about Spider-Man and they know about the conversation that they had yesterday. And then Peter looks over in the room, start the window starts spinning. I was for sure thinking that this was like a superpower, a supervillain hypnosis person that we were about to meet. That is really interesting. That's not at all what
0: I thought, partially because I've read this before and I knew like who (laughs) it was, but I think even if it had been my first time reading it, if I had known like a little bit about Spider-Man, my assumption would have been, Oh, it's Mysterio. Cause it's like the environment around him is not, you know, as it seems that's, that would, that's what I would think it would be is like Mysterio doing some special effect.
1: Yeah. That, that definitely makes sense as well. Um, boy, I, I liked it. (laughs) I know.
0: This was another good one.
1: Yep. Um, Honestly, we didn't really, well, I guess we, we got a lot of, I mean, every scene in this, I think was really good. As I look back through my notes, because the first scene with him talking to Norman as the green goblin is phenomenal. Um, And everything with Harry is great. (laughs) Uh, And then, you know, his scene with Aunt may is great. and, The stuff with Gwen is a little weird in the middle, but it's fine. Um, And then at the end, this scene with the counselor, I mean, it's it had me on the edge of my seat going to the next issue.
0: Yeah, you couldn't wait to turn that page. Yeah, I feel like just the sheer number of scenes that were in this issue and the fact that none of them felt rushed. It reads it feels almost like this was the double sized issue, but it's not. It's just. Everything is, you know, packed in there. Not, yeah, not, there's not a single panel wasted.
1: Yeah. Um, do we have a grading scale? <laughs> boxes of Girl Scout cookies bought <laughs> from Gwen Stacy. Yeah, let's do boxes of Girl Scout cookies. Okay. Um, I am going to give this one nine out of 10 boxes of tagalongs.
0: Okay. I'm going to give it nine out of 10 thin mints.
1: Okay. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. These, these have been good, but it's all about issue 24. We've got to bring the story home. Well, or else these Actually, first two issues are going to feel, you know, like a letdown. I think,
0: you know what? I'm going to change my answer. while I have, while I have the time. I'm going to say it's a 10 out of 10. There's, no reason for it not to be to me. Honestly, it's got a lot of good character work. Really yeah. progresses the story. Not a wasted panel. None of those like mistakes like in the first issue where the you know the word bubbles were out of place. I'm, this is a ten for me.
1: Yeah, I like it. It's definitely a good one. Ten boxes of thin mints. Yep. Ten thin. Okay. Wow. <laughs> So, issue 24, written by Brian Michael Bendis, penciled by Mark Bagley, inked by Art to Bear, colored by Transparency Digital, and lettered by Chris Eliopoulos. So, our very first page is the last page from the previous issue. Peter's yelling, who are you people? What's going on? And Dr. Bradley motions for, you know, another person to take it from here. And Peter looks at the, the window and it begins distorting. And oh my gosh, Zach! I could have jumped out of my chair. It's Nicholas J. Fury, looking pretty close to his Samuel L. Jackson look, and amazing. Oh man, was I pumped to see him? Cue the Avengers theme music. I in my head, it did. Um, and you know, as as I looked at this, and I was like, wait a minute, that's like the Samuel L. Jackson look. Um, I, I'm pretty sure I remember that in the ultimates, which I know here's a tease for you, webheads, Zach and I have talked about reading the ultimates because they're bringing back that universe. Is that correct? Did I? Okay. Yep. And I'm pretty sure in the ultimates, isn't that when Nick Fury gets asked, like, who would play you in a movie? And he's like the incomparable Samuel L. Jackson, of course. Yep. Is is, okay, that is where that's from. So that's this universe that we're in. So eventually we'll get to that line, I'm guessing. Yeah. If we do read the Ultimates.
0: I don't remember if it's in Ultimates or Ultimates 2, but one okay. of those events has him saying that.
1: Um. But Nick Fury shows up and, and he's kind of like a hologram, I guess. And that's why the window was distorting. But does this does he actually show up in the next page or does his hologram just turn into like uh, a real looking person?
0: It's either a hologram or like he teleported in. I'm not sure. Or he he was like, had some cloaking technology and he was transparent for a second.
1: That's that's probably what it is. You know what? He was,
0: he was using that new transparency digital.
1: Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> he he was colored by Transparency Digital. Excellent. Do we have a uh, a rim? The
0: yeah, I kept the rim shot on my computer because okay. it was so hard to find the first time.
1: Okay, <laughs> we'll have to add that in. Add it in post. <laughs> um, so I wrote in my notes, Zach. When I tell you, I almost out loud hooted and hollered. A tremendous entrance by Fury. He's got a good superhero pose going and everything. So Fury's kind of introducing himself to Peter. uh, But Peter already kind of knows who he is because in this universe, Nick Fury runs the largest peacekeeping task force called S.H.I.E.L.D. And that must not be like a secret organization. It's just like an outwardly peacekeeping organization. But obviously they do some secret stuff. He's like a cool J. Edgar Hoover. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know enough about J. Edgar Hoover to confirm or deny that. <laughs> um. So Peter asks how they know about him and Fury and Bradley give him a pretty funny response and they're kind of like, Oh, how, how do we know about you? Well, it could be from this or it could be from this or it could be from this. And they mentioned like five different ways that they could have known about Spider-Man. And it reminds me a lot of Nick Fury and Maria Hill from the Avengers movies. That's the type of relationship that I think these two have. If, if our viewers who have seen the movies want to picture that in
0: their head. Yeah, it's very good. And it's, it's fun because I've mentioned before, like, anyone who's even slightly aware in this universe should be and knows Peter Parker should be able to figure out he's Spider-Man and you know, it's like shields unspoken power. Just like as an organization is they only hire the people who are aware, like, (laughs) like they just have eyes that are open. And by, by that they are some of the like most informed people on the world.
1: I think it's safe to say Harry Osborn would not be a shield employee. <laughs> um so and F- so Fury says, "Consider it flattering. We we're busy people and we've been keeping a good eye on you and we get a real nice shot of Fury with his, you know, his his eye and his uh what's it called? His eye, eye patch. patch." Yeah. I'm a big fan of him being like, "I'm keeping my good eye on you." <laughs> Um, so Peter just immediately starts running towards the door and Fury says as he's running out the door that Osborne's going to have Peter try to kill Nick Fury. And if he refuses, then he's going to do the awful things he mentioned to Aunt May and MJ. So this obviously gets Peter to stay and, and continue listening. And Peter asks why Osborne would want to kill Nick Fury. And we get what I assume is a double panel or a double page, big drawing of a bunch of different things going on. So it's not all one picture. It's like seven different pictures, all in like a collage. And these pictures are the different things that I'm about to mention that Fury's also talking about. So he kind of explains that shield has been in the super soldier serum business days ever since the days of Captain America. And a couple of companies were competing for S.H.I.E.L.D.'s attention to provide them with some type of serums. Um, And they were impressed by Oscorp's presentation. And they ended up going with Oscorp to make a viable serum. But after two and a half years, they had nothing. So Fury cut ties with them. And then Osborne starts to experiment with a drug called Called Oz. And that's and that's where kind of our story starts, where Peter accidentally is bitten and he becomes Spider-Man. And that only made Osborne more annoyed because he was so close to figuring it out, but so far away still. And eventually, as we know, Osborne used it on himself, and he's now being driven mad the more times he gives himself this serum. Um and the timeline of that double page was somewhat confusing to me, but the timeline of the super soldier serum in the movies is also pretty confusing because it's like, they got it to work with captain America, but, but now he's saying that companies were vying for their attention for it. But if it worked already in the fifties, why are companies still working on it in the year 2000, you know? Um, and then they say nothing. And then it seemed like, They cut ties with OzCorp, and then they invented this drug called Oz. And I would have thought they were working with the drug Oz those two and a half years. So anyway, it was a little confusing, I thought, but not so confusing that, you know, you're able to get the gist of it, I think, for sure.
0: Yeah, all it really has to set up is why Norman Osborn was like in the business of trying to create monsters or superheroes in the first place. And the fact that he would have some kind of beef against Fury.
1: Yeah. Um, So Peter asked Nick Fury an extremely uh, viable question. If they know all this, why don't they just go stop him? And Fury (laughs) says that this type of thing isn't Shield's jurisdiction, which Made me laugh because every single time we have seen S.H.I.E.L.D. in the past, they have been walking up to a place and being like, we'll take it from here. This is our jurisdiction. And now they actually have to do something. And Fury's like look, we can't just go and start arresting people. We don't have proof of this. Or what he says is they have proof, but they're not allowed to spy on Americans. (laughs) So none of the proof that they have, they can use to arrest him. And it's like, that's baloney. That is just, that is a different universe. You guys are now like pretending to follow the laws in.
0: Or it's a commentary on like, cops or what law enforcement agencies might actually do
1: but shield isn't uh, but shield is the good guys they-, they call <laughs>
0: themselves peacekeepers yeah no one who calls themselves a peacekeeper has ever yeah. had bad <laughs> intentions
1: but what i but i just did think it's funny that every time we see shield they're always like we'll be handling it from here and now they're like well, 16-year-old kid, if this one's up to you. Because even though we know all this stuff, our, ha- our hands are tied. We just can't go after him yet.
0: That is very funny. They're like all powerful right up until
1: they, they have yeah. to do something. <laughs> um, so they're like, Peter, you're on your own. Um, and Fury tells Peter, our intel says he's going to come to you and he's going to order you to kill me. I would and I read everything in Samuel Jackson voice and he's like, I would appreciate it if you would say no. Was that a was that a good that was, was that great. A good, okay? Yeah. yeah, go on.
0: I, I just like the crossing your arms and like tilting <laughs> your head as you
1: said it. That's my Sam Jackson uh body language. Yeah. So Osborn will then either engage Peter right away in a fight or he will go after a loved one like he talked about. And Fury says as soon as either of those things happen um, and Osborn endangers a civilian, S.H.I.E.L.D. will be there to go after him. And Fury also tells Peter to not tell his friends or family or it could get him killed. And we... Know that this is really going to upset Peter more because for the entire past issue, he's been trying to tell Mary Jane this stuff because it's really bothering him, and now it's like, oh, uh, another reason why he just like can't. Um, hey Percy, my cat is uh, scratching himself on my microphone. Okay, let's get him down before he unplugs it. <laughs> um, so Peter begins cursing at Fury. Uh, in in the, you know, whatever they'd be called, not actual curse words, but in the swear letters, you can just cut this out, Zach. No, he you're begins good. cursing at Fury, understandably so, <laughs> and he says again, "I just want to date Mary Jane and go to college." Uh, you know, and Fury says, "Optimism is a revolutionary act." And Peter responds back, who told you that? The guy who poked out your eye. And Fury flies across the room at him and kind of backs Peter up to the wall. And he just very calmly says, yes. And Peter, sincerely, very sincerely, I think, apologizes. And Fury's like, don't worry about it. And I thought it was a cute moment. <laughs> so Peter sees uh mj and harry they're kind of like waving at him from a distance and he just runs in the opposite direction home um and as soon as that he was gets later called, in the hallway they yeah like peter, they didn't catch yeah. him with fury yeah peter leaves and then he sees mj and harry and he just like goes in the opposite direction because he knows he's like i don't have anything i could talk to these guys about right now um And right as Peter gets home, luckily he runs home because May is getting into a limo uh, that the Osborn sent. And apparently they've been invited to dinner again. And Peter tells Aunt May that he doesn't want to go. And he just very calmly explains that, like, Mr. Osborn isn't a good man. He might even be a criminal. And May repeats a line that Uncle Ben used to say. I've never met a man with money who hadn't stepped on someone to get it. And um, I appreciate comrade May and comrade Ben. So May and Peter tell the assistant lady that they won't be going to dinner. And May asks Peter what they're going to do tonight instead. And Peter, in a very superhero way, just says, I have to go to work. And we get a couple of pages of panels of Spider-Man swinging through the city. And he's like, this is it. This is my last hurrah. I am going to the cops. I'm going to the FBI. I am done being Spider-Man. I can't have my friends and my family caught up in this stuff anymore. He says, I'm going to take off my mask and whatever consequences there are, we'll deal with them. And then, of course, he lands on a, uh, a building and who is there but the Green Goblin, And was Peter going to the Green Goblin, do you think? Or did he just run into him randomly?
0: It was unclear. I mean, I guess he's talking about turning himself in. But it makes sense to me that before he could do that safely, he would have to, like, defeat the Goblin.
1: That is what I thought also. I thought he was maybe going to fight the Goblin and then turn himself in. So, like, this fight with Goblin, this is our last hurrah with Spider-Man, potentially. That's what we're setting up.
0: That's what he thinks.
1: Yeah. Uh, And this is the last issue, right? So... We got to 160 real fast. Yeah. So, Spidey and Goblin are talking, and they're making... Spider-Man's making some good points. He's like, I am the one that should be mad your experiment spider bit me and screwed up my entire life. He says, I should sue you guys. And Osborne responds with some nonsense about like circles of life and circles of death and circles of whatever. And it's clear he's completely losing his mind. And Strider, Spidey lets him know that. He's like, oh man, whatever. You're such a jackass. All this crap you've injected into yourself has made you nuttier than a fruitcake. And Osborne starts lecturing Spider-Man about responsibility and how he owns Spider-Man genetically because the Oz that's running through them and Spidey makes a final stand saying he will never be on Osborne's team or kill for Osborne and Osborne jumps off the building that they're on. And he just tells Peter, you will learn real quick. How crazy is that logic of oh i
0: created this chemical that you accidentally got filled with and now it's in your veins so i own maybe the patent to that chemical so now i inherently must own you
1: too it's pretty crazy logic but it's it's also not totally insane logic Uh, you would think norman osborne even not nuttier than a fruitcake would feel some sort of responsibility for the fact that Peter Parker is swinging around a Spider-Man, you know?
0: I mean, I get that, but it's very funny (laughs) to me that he's trying to set the precedent of like, Oh, I own Oz. There's Oz in you. Therefore I own you. It'd be like if you ate Taco Bell and the CEO of Taco Bell was like, Hey, I own something in you. So,
1: Therefore, you're mine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> get, That's a get, good point. N- n- never let it be said that we didn't make it clear that Norman Osborn is not making some good points.
0: <laughs> We're taking a firm stand against yeah. Norman Osborn and his logical fallacies.
1: Yeah. Um. So we cut to Harry and MJ. And MJ is getting out of the limo because apparently they are you know, Osborne sent for MJ to come to dinner too. So he has this planned out. It seems like he planned to go get MJ to get Aunt May and then to meet Peter. And as she's getting out of the limo, we see the goblin jumps down. He knocks Harry to the ground. He grabs MJ and leaps away. And Peter either sees this happen and he... Just says no, or he hears MJ scream from the distance and he says no, but he knows what just happened.
0: So I'm guessing he was on the roof of Osborne's building. Like, okay. So I I think we were right. He was going to fight him. He got all the way to his building. Norman was like in goblin mode on his own roof expecting this. Meanwhile, on the street level, MJ is getting out of the car. So I think I think Norman just jumped off the building and was right there. Yeah. I don't think he had to, like, go a ways.
1: Yeah, away. I, I think you're probably right about that. Um, I was a little disappointed when this ended because I just wanted like I wanted the climax of the. This run which has to come down to a goblin Spider-Man fight at some point. And I thought we were going to get it in this issue. And when we didn't, I was a little disappointed. But that doesn't take away from the fact that I still really liked this issue. It just could have been longer and I would have liked it more.
0: Well, good news. This arc is longer. It's not a three issue arc. It's a six issue arc. So we're getting that next week.
1: Okay, I I am excited. This has been a really good arc. Um what do you think?
0: I I for the issue or for the arc so far? For the issue. Um yeah, I really liked it. I probably liked it a little bit less than the other two. I think just as standalone issues, you know. Um I think the first one set more up and I think the second one was just told in a a better way and fit more in. Um, do you have a scale for these? For this
1: one? Um, I don't. And I would love to make it something about Nick Fury because of how much I enjoyed seeing him. Um, but I but I've not <laughs> something out of Nick Fury's good eyes. Yeah, how many good eyes? <laughs> yeah. How many good eyes for Nick Fury out of ten?
0: Yeah. It doesn't um, have to I, make I, sense.
1: I, I'm I'm gonna give this one an eight and a half out of 10 again because I did really like it. I didn't like it as much as the second one, but I probably enjoyed it just as much as the first one. I was, I hope I conveyed enough that I was very excited when I saw Nick Fury show up. Yeah, it was
0: a fun one. It was good storytelling. I'm going to give it a seven just because I don't think it did quite as much to wow me as the others. And because there've been moments here where we're like, Wait, what was going on? Was Nick Fury actually in the room? Was you know was yeah. he going to the goblin? Like it just could have been more clear.
1: Yep, that's true. But no slouch that's of true. an issue. Yeah, some good lines. Uncle Ben's line about money. Peter saying, "I have to go to work." I love it. Yeah um, the the <laughs> the stuff about the circles of life and circles of death. After he said that, I wrote my note. This guy's losing his mind. And then I read the next panel and it was Spider-Man being like, man, you're losing your mind. <laughs> like, so I really got a kick out of that. Um, it went
0: kind of hard. Like if that was like a spoken word intro before, like a metal song with a really gnarly guitar part, yeah. like it'd get people pumped, even though it meant nothing.
1: Yeah, it it would. Um, But pretty good. Pretty good. It makes me excited to read the next three for next week.
0: Yep. So next week we're going to be on issues 25, 26, and 27 of Ultimate Spider-Man.
1: And I can't help but notice that that's going to bring us to our something interesting. If you don't have anything left for this, for this, uh, these issues.
0: Nope. Let's hear something interesting. I've been dying to hear your something interesting. Well, so
1: are are you going to tell us all about the combine? I know this episode may already be running a bit long, but it, but Zach something interesting is talking about the NFL combine, so I'd like to hear all of, about these rookies.
0: <laughs> yeah, you all know we're you know some football nerds, um, and I'm specifically like a scouting and development nerd, like my dream job for years was that I wanted to be an NFL scout. And, uh, the NFL combine happens every year and in Indianapolis where we live. And for like the past five years, it's been open to the public. So I've gone every year that it's been open to the public. I'll go at least one day. Cause it's held over like five days. Um, I went two days this year. So I saw offensive linemen, Running backs, quarterbacks, tight ends, and wide receivers. So all the fantasy relevant positions, you know the all the positions our Colts desperately need. And it was a good time and i was I was impressed with everyone. like i the top quarterbacks that threw were CJ Stroud, Anthony Richardson, and will Levis. And I left with a better impression of all of them than I came in with.
1: So who, give me an order of four QBs. Who should we, who would we be lucky to get? And who would we just be taking if they're there at four? Because the Colts have the four pick and there's four good QBs, I think, in this draft. And luckily, the Bears have the number one pick. And there's no way they're going to take a QB. So unless they trade, then then there Which, will only be three QBs taken. Yeah.
0: Which they probably Bird. will. But I mean, I feel as we stand today, I feel pretty good about staying at four and taking whichever quarterback is left at that point. So I have it like in tiers. So like tier one, I'd be thrilled is... Anthony Richardson and CJ Stroud. I think they offer you different things. I think CJ Stroud is just ready to come in and be like a pro, like from day one. Like he's just he's the most accurate quarterback I've ever seen at the Combine. Um and I, I think he would grasp an NFL offense like, you know, right away. But then like Anthony Richardson is the kind of guy where he's still really young. He's the most athletic freak at the quarterback position, maybe in NFL history. And he said all the right things about like wanting to get better and wanting to be coachable. And apparently he was really smart and mature in the interviews with the teams. And he seems like the kind of guy that if you put in the right position with like smart coaches and you don't put too much pressure on him early on. Like you could be talking about like a Patrick Mahomes or
1: a Lamar Jackson.
0: Lamar Jackson, Josh mm. Allen type quarterback in two or three years.
1: Well, it's interesting that you say your tier one would be a Lamar Jackson type quarterback. Because as it so happens, Lamar Jackson, the quarterback, is available. I's- and he would be my tier one, and then after that, I would go for one of these rookies and be very happy with them, also. Uh, but Zach and I have been about it, disagreeing about this all week because I, I, I am a big, big Lamar Jackson fan, and I think it's, I think it is not very normal that a 26 year old MVP candidate is not just being thrown money at to stay with the team he's on. Um, And I just don't understand it. I, I understand the injury risk, but he's an MVP QB at 26 years old. You know, that's that never comes along.
0: Yeah, you're not wrong. But the thing is, I feel like and this might be absolutely crazy for me to say, based on what I saw, I feel like. Anthony Richardson's floor is pretty close to Lamar Jackson's floor from a rushing perspective because if he never gets more accurate if he never, you know, gets better like as an elite passer and he has the arm to potentially yeah. do that. He has the arm to, you know, like what I saw Josh Allen have coming into the draft. If he never f- cleans that up, he is so much bigger than Lamar and I think he's even faster yeah. than Lamar. Teams have to fear him rushing so much. They're going to play in the spy. They're going to play in zone. He's going to be able to exploit it even without being super accurate. Yeah. And I think he could rush for like more yards than Lamar does.
1: Yeah. That, that is who I'll be hoping is available at four. Um, he's who I'd want more than anyone. And uh, I feel him. like he would be. Is yeah.
0: I think so too. Um, and then, so my second tier would be Bryce Young. Like, I would be totally happy with Bryce Young. It would not be a waste of draft night. I I would sleep well knowing that we got him. And then the last tier is like Will Levis. And I'd be like, okay, why did they choose him? Because I'm assuming they'll have they the choice. Take QB. They'll take a QB, but I'm assuming it's not going to go those other three quarterbacks, one, two, three. Yeah. Some someone is going to take a defensive player. Yeah.
1: I, I will be quite disappointed if they have any of the other options and they take Will Levis. Um but I also don't the only one I really would like is Anthony Richardson. And outside of that, I don't I don't really care that much. I just as I told Zach, someone named Will Levis who went to Kentucky is gonna bust in the NFL. I'm certain of it. <laughs> he had the fastest release don't do oh my gosh wow
0: i'm telling you like when you see him throw the ball in real life you're like wow like yeah you can understand why nfl coaches and scouts you know are impressed well it's gonna take more than that though
1: well i've never seen him throw a football and don't know who he is at all uh and and I'm making pretty confident statements. A hundred percent bust rate. So he
0: also puts perhaps I shouldn't in his be coffee. taking.
1: Yeah. Will Levis. I could have guessed. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Can I do my something interesting? I'm so ready to. Uh, I I'm going to start with some questions that you're going to say no to, of course. So have you ever heard of. I'm going to also pronounce this name entirely wrong, but. Jawaharlal Nehru, no uh and a speech called tryst with destiny no okay so he is the first prime minister of india so he's back from like gandhi times kind of him and gandhi were both like pretty um like influential people in getting india's independence from britain <laughs> yeah um And this guy was the first Prime Minister of India, and the day before their independence date, so for us it'd be like July 4th, 1776, so for them, on August 14th, 1947, he gave a speech called Tryst with Destiny. We're learning about this in social studies, and a very, very famous line from that speech that has made it through the years is course i don't have it ready when i needed to oh, so. dead air dead air um is and this is 1947 zach what year did spider-man first come out off the top of your head
0: 1962
1: 63 1963 yep yeah. but well, hold but on it could have been being made in 62
0: no i'm thinking amazing fantasy came out in 62 and the ongoing probably started in
1: 63 Okay, I just quickly googled like first Spider Man issue. It said sixty three. Anyway, well be well after nineteen forty seven, and there's a line in this speech: "Freedom and power bring responsibility." Yeah, I mean, I I can't. Does he say help. great freedom and great power? No, and- it says freedom and power bring responsibility, and then it says that responsibility rests upon the assembly. Blah 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 blah. Right, but. I can't help but think that had to have been even subconsciously part of the with great power comes great responsibility line from Spider-Man years later. Do you think there was any do you think there's any subconscious thought that. Got changed with that or do you think that is a total coincidence when I saw this in class I immediately took a picture of it I was like I got to bring this up.
0: My guess is that Stanley probably didn't know the source of it but it's possible that maybe people he had spoken to or something that he had read had referenced it.
1: I I think I think that's probably true. I don't think anyone working at Marvel was like following the India independence movement too heavily. But I think that this is too close to with great power comes great responsibility for it not to be somehow connected. Yeah. And just like heard heard the line and then it sat in the brain and then they were like, oh, this sounds good. I don't know where I heard this before, but it sounds good, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean they he lived in New York. Marvel offices were in New York. It's the great melting pot. Like it's not hard to believe that they crossed paths with, you know, an Indian person at some point who was really affected by that speech or was, you know, thought it was inspirational and had said it because that's just something they say all the time. Possible. So that
1: means the first prime minister of India, Nehru was somewhat influential in crafting this spider man zeitgeist. That is now like one of the most popular lines of all time. You'd think with great power comes great responsibility. Is this a bad, something interesting? Have I let you down? No, I, I think I'm that's- worried that this isn't living up to the hype, but I, I I thought it was really uh, like uh interesting
0: when i saw it that is interesting in spider-verse you know the event that we read an issue from that had the serial killer <laughs> spider-man parnell
1: or something or Yeah,
0: Patton parnell yeah um in that event there is a version of spider-man that's like from india and it's like Pavender patel or something so, <laughs> like you know some Indian version version of, of, yeah, the Peter Parker name. And I don't know that that guy has gotten many more like books. Like he hasn't gotten spider punk treatment to my knowledge where it's like, oh, here's his own little mini series or something. But if he did, I think it'd be really cool if they could work that original line into his backstory.
1: Really cool. Oh, of course, now
0: that we've said now that we've I, said it I, on the record, Marvel literally can't do it.
1: No, but Marvel, just talk to us, okay? <laughs> India is like the most populated place in the world. Second, if you put out a. Sp- is China. Did China overtake them? For a while, yeah. Okay. Second, I think there's over a billion people. That's a lot of comic books sold. To to have an Indian Spider-Man who has this speech as part of that would sell a billion copies. Yeah. A small cut for Zach and I, Marvel. Just just shoot us an email. <laughs>
0: you have our numbers. I don't know if you knew knew this, but like you can't suggest things to Marvel because then they won't use it. Like you cannot solicit to them they won't use it. You can't say like in a podcast, Oh, they should do a story where this person and this person did it. They'll hear it. And they'll be like, damn, that was a pretty good idea. But I think it's, they, a, they want to maintain like the, the status quo that don't send us stuff because we're not even going to look at it. Yeah. And then B, I think they don't want to open themselves up to like a legal challenge of, definitely. well, yeah, they, As a fan, I mentioned this, and then they plagiarized me. Yeah. So now that we've suggested (laughs) this Indian Spider-Man thing, we've doomed it. We've given it the kiss of death. That would have been
1: such a good idea. Maybe one of us in the future will work for Marvel, and we will get to put this into production. I mean, it's a goal of mine. (laughs) That's the end goal of this podcast, I think. It might take 30 years, but I'm
0: going to write for Marvel. Yeah. And this will be your first issue. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I'll give you a co-writing credit. Oh, I'd love that. Well, that was pretty good. I liked that something else. We got anything
1: else? Um, I don't. I don't. Looking forward to next week, we've got issues. What was it? 25 through 27 of Ultimate Spider-Man. And we're finishing off the Green Goblin. Run.
0: Yep, and then after that, stay tuned for some ultimates.
1: oh exciting! Okay, should I send us out, Zach? Do it. Well, thank you so much to Ian Hickey uh, for our music and Alyssa Seaman for our artwork. And you can find us on Instagram at at the fir- First Read Podcast. So swing on by next week, webheads. Bye. Bye. (laughs)